Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Elissa Branch, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today's episode of Houses in Motion is a special edition and features an interview with Real Trends' Tracy Belt. Tracy and Matthew sat down to talk about brokerages attempting to operate as a one-stop shop and how federal regulatory concerns could challenge that. They also discussed the new wave of partnerships between tech companies and brokerages and how these new services might affect consumers. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Want to give your customers the streamlined mortgage experience they expect? Fannie Mae's digital mortgage solutions are fast, efficient, contactless, and they save paper. Our digital mortgage solutions provide efficiency for you, convenience for your customers, and deliver a great experience at every stage of the mortgage cycle. Own the mortgage experience with Fannie Mae's innovative solutions. Visit FannieMae.com slash go digital. Hello, and welcome to a special fall break edition of the Houses in Motion podcast. I am Matthew Blake, senior real estate reporter with Housing Wire. I am actually off this week, but for our audience, I have recorded a special episode this week with Tracy Velt of Real Trends, who very nicely agreed to come on and discuss some of the biggest real estate issues happening right now. Tracy, thanks a lot. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Tracy, of course, has her own podcast over Real Trends, where she interviews some of the biggest people in real estate today. And I recently was able to speak with Tracy at the Housing Wire Annual, which was happening in Frisco, Texas, last week or a couple of weeks ago from how we are recording right now. And Tracy moderated a panel on the future of real estate brokerage, which I thought was pretty interesting. And why don't you actually just start maybe, Tracy, by talking a little bit about that? Because I thought you made a really good point that a lot of brokerages right now are saying that they want to be one-stop shops. But you mentioned this is an idea that Sears Merrill Lynch had back in the 1970s. And so what are you observing right now about brokerages push for a one-stop shop and what might be different today than say 50 years ago? Well, regulatory issues um, were really what brought them down before the regulatory. Hmm. uh, It was not prepared to handle the one-stop shop. And then with RESPA, they were able to get a better idea of how to regulate these, these companies. And, and I, I don't know if that's why Merrill Lynch and Sears failed. I, I honestly don't know, um, you know, all of those details about it. But what I think is different today is that you've got so much more than mortgage and title. I think the new wave will be partnerships with companies like Knock and Ribbon, um, who are offering alternate um, financing for buyers and sellers. And I think you're going to see those become some core services that 
agents are offering, the iBuyer services as well. I know a lot of brokers are starting to partner with Open Door um, and getting referral fees um, and listing those properties so or selling those properties. So I really think that's what's different is it's going to expand out from mortgage title insurance, and you're going to find a whole new wave of partnerships happening between brokers and companies. No longer are these um, you know, tech companies trying to disrupt the industry. I think there are still some of those, but I think that a lot of them are looking instead to... Um, to really partner. And the reason they're going to be successful, in my opinion, is that they offer something consumers want. They want to be able to not have the idea of a contingency where they have to sell their house to buy a house. They, you know, consumers want other options for financing. So I think that that's going to be the biggest change. And I feel like that's going to be a wave that we're going to see. In fact, even um, when I interviewed Sean Black of Knock, which mm-hmm. that's a podcast that'll be featured next week, um, next Monday, uh, he had talked. I guess it'll be it'll be it'll, it'll be where it'll be two days in the past, perhaps. <laughs> but anyway, Sean <laughs> so, Black, interesting yes. person. But yeah, what did Sean yeah. say? Um, he says he feels like we're going through this transaction revolution right now with consumers. And that's mm-hmm. where the disruption is happening. Um, it used to be the information kind of revolution. And we're moving into more of a transaction revolution where they're focusing on, on you know, making the transaction easier. All these companies are. And anything that makes the transaction easier for consumers, consumers are they want. So I think that real estate brokerages are smart to to partner with some of these companies or to develop programs of their own um, if they're larger to to really serve their consumers. Yeah, that's interesting. That's I, that's an interesting turn in terms of those partnerships. So with something like Knock, which I believe is basically a mortgage lender that gives a bridge loan to someone who's looking to buy a new house, but Mm -hmm. is nervous about, you know, having the capital to buy a new house and also finding a new house, especially in today's market. That seems to make some sense, particularly in today's low inventory market from a consumer perspective, but I'm wondering what it's like for an agent perspective. And you also mentioned Open Door, which Mm -hmm. is a company that has had I would say a pretty complicated relationship with real estate agents. Do you think that agents are sort of willing to enter these partnerships or might they feel like these kind of new companies are undermining their core business? Um, No, I think that some are open to it. And I know a brokerage um, in Georgia that's do it, that has an open door um, partnership right now. Um, So I'll go through what they do. The open door rep will find the homeowner and um, basically they'll say, I'll give you such and such for your house after cost right now. But before you take that offer, I have an agent, a real estate agent, um, who will let you know what it looks like on the open market. And then open door will actually refer it to that brokerage. Um, They'll provide like a like a renovation budget to work with this brokerage. 
And then the brokerage then compensates open door on the back end. So I don't I don't have more specifics than that, but there are the partnerships they they have partnerships that will make sense for brokers. And I think that anything again that makes it easier for consumers, given our current um, regulatory uh, atmosphere, is going to be desired. So yeah, yeah, no, that's interesting for sure. Like Open Door is definitely, I think, proactively in the past year done more of these partnerships. Yeah, mm-hmm. you've mentioned the regulatory environment a couple of times. Could you just elaborate a, a bit on that? What are you hearing in terms of concerns or opportunities agents or brokerages say right now about the current like federal regulation landscape? I think that there is reason to be concerned this, this wave, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. I think that... Um, in the past, you know, you know, we had this past consent decree between NAR and the DOJ that was hammered out and, you know, seemed like all parties were happy. A new administration came in and decided to take another look. And they seemed yeah. to be a little more um, skeptical of the real estate industry in general. Um that you have the DOJ kind of withdrawing from that consent degree. Um, then you have the Federal Trade Commission looking into things. And actually, I think we have a um, President Biden was quoted as saying he asked the FTC to look into the real estate industry mm-hmm. um, and what could be done to create a more competitive environment. And so when Zillow and Showing Time with that merger, what happened is the, the Federal Trade Commission always looks at mergers over a certain um, dollar amount. So that was a $500 million transaction. It was going to be looked at no matter what. But they had given, um, the FTC had given the go-ahead on that um, deal. Uh, then when they closed on it, or maybe right before it closed, um, they changed their mind. And they, um, Lena Khan. And who, who was a recent appointee from President Biden, she announced that Zillow could go forth, but the deal would be at their own peril because the FTC was going to review it um, again. And that's highly unusual for the Federal Trade Commission to do something like that. So I think when you've got all of these antitrust, um, you know, the Rex lawsuits, um, you know, the the FTC looking into the real estate industry, looking into some of the mergers and acquisitions. You've got the um, the DOJ NAR, you know, DOJ pretty much expanded their um, investigation of of NAR. NAR did make some changes, but. I think that this administration especially is going to take a hard look at this industry and I can't predict what's going to happen. I have no idea, but there are a lot of signs that that show that um, there might be some changes coming and I don't know what those changes might be, but mm-hmm. I do think it will be something that will make everything a lot more transparent. Um, mm-hmm. and, and there are a lot of arguments against that. I mean, commissions have been going down um, over the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, Mm -hmm. There are more choices than ever for consumers between iBuyers, discount brokers, um, different brokerage, you know, business models, um, you know, for sale by owner. You don't, they're not forced to use an agent 
Um, there are other ways to get information about properties now. So um, it'll be interesting what happens. I'm not, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Um, but I do feel like this administration is serious about taking a look at, at what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it just seems to me like there's a lot of different moving parts right now because uh -huh. it seems like on the one hand you have the justice department, as you say, you know, under the Trump administration, which actually had, you know, I know the Trump administration was known for kind of lax regulatory enforcement, but they had, you know, an antitrust division that was not totally asleep at the wheel. And they made this consent decree, you know, with the National Association of Realtors, like you mentioned, that did try to address some of the transparency measures and did try to at least, you know, make consumers aware of, look, this is how a real estate transaction works. The buyer's agent gets half the commission usually. Yeah. And then, of course, the Biden administration revokes that. And the Biden administration has, as you point out, used its powers to sort of, I don't know what the word is, sort of make its presence known, like, hey, we're here and like the Rex lawsuit the lawsuits concerning pocket listings that are happening in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals right now. They're basically filing these briefs that are like not quite taking a stand on things, but basically being, hey, we're watching this, we're monitoring this. And so that's all one thing in its own kind of big ball of twine on one end of the table. But then on the other end of the table, we have Zillow and What's confusing to me, I mean, a lot of things are confusing to me about this, but what one thing is that is confusing to me right now is sort of how related and how unrelated the Justice Department and the Biden administration investigation into Zillow is with the investigation of the National Association of Realtors, because they're intervening in the Rex lawsuit, which is a lawsuit against both NAR and Zillow. I don't know if they're intervening because they just wanted to intervene, you know, didn't have anything to do on a Tuesday afternoon or, or because they really saw a problem with Zillow specifically or really saw a problem with Rex specifically. And I think what I'm, I guess, confused about is sort of what is it that's intertwined between Zillow and NAR and what is it that's just Zillow you mentioned. And I guess my question for you is sort of, yeah, what do you think that they're specifically interested in about Zillow? Because I think that the whole showing time thing was interesting where the FTC was basically saying, look, we'll approve this. You know, we had to look at this anyway, as you point out, because it's a really big transaction. But you're on watch, Zillow. We still may investigate you. So what do you think they're specifically looking at in regards to Zillow? What do you think their concern is with Zillow? I I don't, you know competition, you yeah. know, transparency. I think that they're, they're looking at them as, um, you know, watching what they're doing because of all the murmurs of Zillow trying to control markets and things like that, which I don't believe. I don't believe that is true, that mm -hmm. Zillow is trying to control markets through their Zillow offers program. Um, but, but I think it's just competition. And with the MLS, it's the the pocket listings. It's um, it's same competition and also commission. Um, and you know there are a lot of different thoughts around that, but I think that's really what it boils down to. 
is yeah. making things more transparent, making the industry more transparent. You've got the, you know, the professionalism of the industry has always been in question as far as the low bar to entry. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, the NAR monopoly of, of MLS systems and that, but I, you know, the MLS has been, has been really good too. It's not perfect, definitely not perfect. And I think that tweaking some things, and I don't really know what those things would be, but it would not be a bad thing, but I, I really think it's all related to, to competition. Yeah. I think the MLS stuff is really interesting. I had Sonia Gilbrook on a few weeks ago. She's a real estate professor at Peru College. And we were going to talk about, we did talk about her work on like multiple mm-hmm. listing services. And I kind of thought it would be kind of us almost trashing the MLSs and just say like, oh, it's part of like the NAR's monopoly. It's yeah. part of, you know, this, you know, cabal that they're running. And, you know, I think that we both kind of reached a point where it was like, well, actually the MLSs are kind of great in a way in the sense that they do provide this in inventory, you know, and an inventory that since, you know, partly because of DOJ intervention in the mid 2000s, this inventory that consumers now can see. I mean, in one way, the housing market in terms of what houses that I can buy is like more transparent than perhaps other markets. Like, I don't know, like what cars I can buy as readily as perhaps what houses I can buy to give one perhaps not perfect example but in terms of transparency, just anything more like you wanted to say about that? I mean, is there anything in your time covering real estate and being involved in real estate? Is there anything that you've seen that's changed in terms of transparency or that may still change? I, I think it's gotten more transparent, to be honest with you. And then some of the new changes, um, you know, that they're recommending about you can't represent that your services are free and listing ads can't be sorted or filtered based on the level of compensation a cooperating broker offers. That's all happening now. And that's part of the consent decree that they pulled out of, but NAR is still going through with the changes that they had planned to make. But you also, you know, the, the compensation is, is a big thing. I mean, that is negotiable. And I, and the fact that, I think that um, most consumers, in my opinion, do know that if they're looking for properties on the Internet, um, they're also looking up information on how to work with a realtor, whether to work with a realtor. Um, And some of the consumer studies that we've done that Realtrends has done with Harris Insights the younger generation actually is more apt to work with a realtor than baby boomers even. Interesting. So I feel like these these issues that we're discussing, you know, they're they're interesting because they're sort of at this point mm-hmm. of great uncertainty. Where is Zillow going next? Where is the Justice Department going next? And looking at NAR, where are these companies going next? And how they're trying to combine different aspects of the housing economy. What is maybe a topic that you hear agents talking about a lot? that maybe I'm not covering as much or maybe we're not hearing about as much publicly? You know, I, um, I, I don't, I don't really know the answer to that one. I think we're, we're covering a lot of their issues, but what I, what, one thing that I do think is that um, in this market with multiple offers and really having to work 
double time to get your buyers a home. Yeah. Um, that 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 elevates the industry in a way um, because they're forced to, uh, you know, work harder to serve the consumer. And um, you know, this idea that it's it's all goes back to the low bar to get into real estate. I feel like companies and brokerages have really stepped up education and stepped up um, how they're training agents to handle these situations. And um, so I don't think that's that's talked about enough. I think that we still have, you know, you still have, of course, it is a low bar and you still have agent, you know, 10% of the agents doing all of the business or maybe yeah. it's 15, 20%, I'm not sure. Um, but I feel like this this market especially has really forced them to um, to learn a lot more about putting together an offer and figuring out ways to to get it noticed, um, whether that's through contingency waivers or, um, you know, taking care of the the consumer through offering other services like maybe you want to consider an iBuyer, maybe you want to consider a bridge loan. Um, so I think I think um, one thing that they do need more education about agents is how to use those services because I don't think they completely understand what they are and what they offer. Um, the initial reaction is always, "Oh, that's competition for me," um, right. when actually it could be a really good thing for them to to offer. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. and. and- just, just one final note. I mean, are you seeing the brokerages? How are you seeing the brokerages maybe train agents differently now to sort of tell them, hey, maybe an iBuyer is your friend, for example? Um, I think that there, well, first of all, there's a lot more coaching going on mm-hmm. um, where it's rather than having um, classes they're offering multiple options for classes. I think COVID really helped that, that more people are able to get online access to virtual classes or to a video library. Um, and then there's, I know several brokers who are doing one-on-one coaching um, where mm-hmm. they, they take on a new agent and they put them through either a mentorship program or a coaching program. Um, a lot more brokers are are hiring business development and, and coaching um, you know, coaches to, to train the agents. So I think more brokers are getting more involved in the individual agent business, um, their, their business and training them to build it as a business mm-hmm. and, um, teaching them how to do that so that it's, it's something that they might have some value to sell later on. Um, training them up on how to use the technology, whichever that might be. Um, you know, how important it is to have a clean CRM um, with mm-hmm. as much data as possible. And they're also offering a lot more of those um, products and, and tools for the agents as well. So, so yeah. yeah. Can the brokerage afford to do all this? It seems like it seems like they're doing more with sort of less. Um, yeah, I mean, they're they. They are doing well. I don't know if they're doing more with less. I think it's been a great market. So yeah, okay, that's been one thing. Um, but you also have to remember that 
like the low fee brokerages, not to be confused with discount brokerages, discount brokerages offer a discount to the consumer. The low fee is more like a transaction fee that, that agents pay. A lot of them are building their own technology platforms. So they're not having to pay per agent per se with, with a, with an outsourced um, program that charges per agent. Um, they're also cutting down on offices and marketing expenses um, to be able to do a lot of those things. So occupancy, um, you know, it's why a lot of the low fee brokers, it's a combination of, of saving money with their own technology um, platform. There are also a lot of venture capital in, in real estate. So yeah, there's money on that side as well. Yeah, that's re- those are really good points. Yeah, sometimes I don't think about that as much, but yeah, the office costs, people are going to let leases expire and marketing, it's, you know, you no longer, if you're an agent in LA, you no longer have to take out a big ad in the LA Times that may cost thousands of dollars. Right. Um, cool. Well, thanks so much. Is there anything else that maybe you would want to, to mention? Talk about? Um, no, just I would love uh, to plug my real trending podcast Please. Um, yes Good we God. have real trending it's um once a week every monday we release a new podcast interviews with some of the the top leaders in real estate and then we also have a trends podcast that that talks about some of the trends in the industry um and that steve murray who is a senior advisor to real trends um, does that one. And then I do the interviews with real estate leaders um, talking about growth strategies and how they're building their business. Great. Yes. And everyone obviously should listen to that. You probably are if you're listening to this, but please do. Tracy gets the biggest names in real estate to appear on that podcast. Tracy Felt, thank you so much for appearing on Houses in Motion. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate it. Looking for more insight into what will happen in 2022? Or maybe you need more information on what in the world is happening with the federal regulators. Or you could just be looking for information on how to stay competitive as the industry shifts to a purchase-focused market. Our HW Plus Premium Membership comes with all of this insight and more. With your HW Plus Membership, you'll get at least five HW Plus articles a week that dive deeper into the daily news to help you confidently make business decisions. To join, go to housingwarrant.com forward slash membership. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. I hope you have a great afternoon. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on all the hottest stories crossing our news desk daily. The podcast is now available wherever you like to listen. Make sure to tune in tomorrow.